Okay, so um, this is the beginning, not really the beginning of the loving kindness teaching part of the retreat. I would like to know from anyone of you if you've already felt the ability to be a little bit more gentle and a little bit more present at just from the teachings of the morning. I see some. Yay, wow, look at that. Good, thank you. Would anyone like to just say a thing or two about your experience in that, like what that has felt like? Yes, thank you. Just being kind around my inner voice. Uh Uh-huh. Being kind around her inner voice. Thanks. Yes. Default to kindness is a great phrase. When she's thinking her usual thoughts, not getting angry at herself for thinking them, just thinking that it's just me. Yeah, thanks. You ready? Um, yeah. I find that my body appreciates that being bullied to sit in a position by gently just Oh, yeah. Nice to myself and body respond. That she finds her body appreciates being asked nicely to sit in the position rather than being bullied into <laughs> staying still. Thank you. Yes. The experience this morning of realizing that um, kindness can be part of discernment. Mm. That, like, I kind of think I historically have separated, like, I'm either discerning in, like, a kind of a rough way or I'm kind. Mm. She said that she's found that kindness and discernment can be one thing, that she felt like discernment was sort of rough and unkind. Were you discerning around something in particular, like in your experience? Uh, I, uh, I think this, this issue from home has kind of followed me here and it kept arising. Uh-huh. And I realized that it could just be a lot of kindness even as I at some point sort something out rather than using like a sharp tool to kind of... Like kind of push it back or something? So are you kind of saying you're letting it work itself through a little bit like that? Oh, yeah, that's great. So she's not using a sharp tool to make a decision about an issue that kind of followed her from home. Anyone has issues following them from home? (laughs) (laughs) And has anyone found, like, it's not so easy to be kind or gentle today so far? Like... Yeah, some of the same people have raised their hands that raised their hands before. Um, yeah. Does anybody feel like you're probably the only one who's not having a good time? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. We already know who you are. No, sorry. No. <laughs> no. We know that it's um, probably all of us on occasion. Um, that's just part of how we are. Anyway, thank you. The... the um, experience of feeling the ability to be kind and the incapacity or feeling a little bit stuck or having kindness indigestion, both of those are part of our heritage. And it often feels like each one of us has our own particular, like, all alone kind of way of feeling left out or not feeling able to be present and stuff like that, that that's part of the 
human inheritance. It's part of the ground under our feet. So part of the way that this practice works is working with and softening our attitude when those uh, states of feeling kind of angry or you know, unhappy or this isn't working or that, when that seems to be the experience, to soften into it and say, this is, this is how it is and acknowledge it and see if we can find a way of working with it that's discerning. It tends to be that if we find it kind of impossible to soften, like we encourage the sense of softening or allowing, almost like there was a muscle in the mind, a muscle in the heart, like the way we encourage a shoulder muscle to relax. We can sometimes encourage the resistance in our heart to relax. But if it isn't really possible to relax it just by paying attention to it in that kind non-blaming way, then we encourage maybe shifting your attention onto something that is pleasant, seeing if you can find something you can pay attention to more easily. And sometimes that might just be opening your eyes and looking around at other people in the room and developing some tenderness for all of us here. You'll just look around and see that we're not alone and sometimes struggling or uh, sometimes feeling really good. Andre, but... I also mean to say that this capacity of paying attention internally to ourselves and not adding and heaping blame and struggle on top of struggle, which kind of tends to be the mind's reflex knee-jerk thing, like something comes up that we don't like and then we start to fight with it or push it away. That's what we're training to, that habit to kind of undo, default to kindness, default to presence and understanding. This is very much interwoven with loving-kindness practice as it's practiced formally. It's, there's almost no distinction. One of our venerable teachers in this lineage, Deepama, said that she doesn't really see any difference between awareness and loving-kindness, that they're the same. And that's kind of what we've been practicing this morning. For the afternoon, we'll offer the support of some of these loving-kindness phrases for your practice and we want you to know some of you have done this kind of retreat in the past where all you do is repeat repeat these four phrases. Um, What we're hoping in this retreat is to kind of interweave the practices and let you be (coughs) creative and find your own way with it using the phrases when you need them and doing loving kindness either for yourself or for other beings as it feels the easiest or most encouraging or playful for you. When you repeat the phrases all the time, sometimes those who have been in those long metta retreats, you know what it feels like. It's kind of like doing weightlifting or something like that. It's like it can feel a little bit dry sometimes. What we're trying to do here is to develop a sense of feeling what it's like when we continually incline the mind to kindness and use the supports that are closest to hand. So in asking you to recognize what it's like when you find the ability to be kind, recognizing that ability and how it feels, that it actually feels good inside when we're able to do that. Um, That's an important part of what is going to be kind of part of the basic understanding to develop during this retreat is how it feels kind of right that way and to be able to find the skill to incline that way and to kind of live from that. In a sense, this 
practice of kindness is something that we come from, something that we use uh, with which to face the conditions that keep coming. Like we don't, we can't necessarily always control or be at peace or anything like that. But even when we feel unrest, like the situations that come with us from home are normally ones that maybe feel unresolved or difficult. And the idea of sort of trusting that by letting them be there for a while and holding them in an atmosphere of kindness, maybe there'll be some kind of solution that our mind will work out. It's a very trusting way of approaching it. Also finding the internal connection with the body so that we can ask rather than sort of demand or berate or feeling what happens when we place loving attention on an aching hip or something like that, even if it keeps on aching, that the experience is a little bit different when the attention is loving versus frightened or um, terrorized like that, that we can really influence our experience that way. André Gide said, Know that joy is rarer, more difficult, and more beautiful than sadness. Once you make this all-important discovery, you must embrace joy as a moral obligation. He could be speaking for a current scientific understanding that talks about how the human psyche has our, a default network of sort of worrying about things or kind of a mild anxiety and that this may have been protective through our evolution of always worrying that there could be a tiger behind this wall and therefore being cautious when you go around the corner. Like if you're cautious every time, then the tiger were the ones who survived by the people, the worriers, the ones who didn't worry and just stepped around the corner and got eaten and so they're not here <laughs> anymore. Their genes didn't get expressed. But living in that kind of anxiety and worry is not necessarily uh, all that happy of a way to live. And we can kind of tweak our brain to live a little bit more with a quality of um, compassionate instinct and the instinct of compassion, which is also baked in or wired in to us. And there's a lot of new literature of books like this compassionate instinct book and other things about the newly developing field of understanding the sort of fundamentalness of kindness and goodness in human beings, something that science has sort of kind of not emphasized so much because it seemed kind of boring or maybe it was religious or something like that. They didn't really like it. And we, there was a belief for many years, I remember even you know, in the 60s, that we were kind of evil and that all our goodness was really a way of protecting ourselves from knowing how evil we are. And that just doesn't seem to be true, and it's certainly not the consensus anymore. There's lots more study about how ecology involves collaboration and um, among organisms. There is competition too, and there's still cruelty in human beings. We can't deny that. But that compassion and tenderness and collaboration and cooperation are not only innate, but really beneficial for us is becoming kind of something scientists are opening their brains to and their hearts. This Jonathan Haidt writes in the article called Wired to be Inspired, Most people don't want to rape, steal, and kill. What they really want is to live in a moral community where people treat each other well and in which they can satisfy their needs for love, productive work, and a sense of belonging to groups of which they are proud. Makes sense, right? We get a visceral sense that we do not live in such a moral world when we see people behaving in petty, cruel, and selfish ways. But when we see a stranger performing a simple act of kindness for another stranger... It gives us a thrilling sense that maybe we do or we can live in such a world. 
The fact that we can be so responsive to the good deeds of others, even if we don't benefit directly, is a very important facet of human nature. So they're actually studying why it feels good when we hear about somebody shoveling an old lady's walk um, for her. Or I'm a member of a website called Random Acts of Kindness where people just write about nice things that they did. Like I just read one today as a preparation for this about someone who saw a couple struggling with this very large chair outside a superstore or something and offered them a ride to drive it home and realized how far away they lived and how far they would have had to walk with this giant thing because they didn't have transportation and how good she felt about herself afterwards. And it felt good to just read about that. The fact that we're actually capable of that feeling is a scientific item of puzzlement. Like there's this one researcher questions, why would you ever leave a tip for a waitress in a town where you're never coming back? Why would you want to make someone happy if there's no obvious benefit to you? Like it's not like you're going to come back and she's going to be nicer to you the next time. To us it seems kind of natural that we would do that, but we don't appreciate that side of ourselves enough, this kind of innate human goodness. And I'm a little bit on a science roll with this talk just because I want to make us understand that it's it's our current religion anyway. But that kindness begets kindness, like living in communities where there's kindness or groups where kindness is being practiced, they've also devised incredibly elaborate experiments to show that we're more likely to be kinder when we see other people doing it. So part of the refuge in Sangha here is to look around and see. We three teachers have remarked about this, that all of you have come here to develop this quality of kindness. It's really beautiful to look, you know, from our side to see all your faces and think, oh, these people are really interested in becoming kinder. Like it's fantastic thing to know. So think that about yourself and understand that in yourself. And when you feel the capacity to be kind or to make a choice or be discerning that way, we encourage you to kind of dwell there and abide there and recognize, resonate with yourself and create a sense of kind of understanding that this is what it feels like when I'm able to be a little bit gentle or let go or be kinder in my own process or even to be able to be kind when we don't feel quite balanced, when we don't feel a lot of internal access to say like, okay, this is just how it is for me right now. Like in what way can I hold this quality of imbalance or irritation or kind of really disliking, you know, some other person who's on the retreat or something that's happening? How do I be with myself when this happens, when my mind is protesting? We don't really want to kill off all of those responses because sometimes they bear very important information. Like if someone is standing on your foot or something like that and you have an unpleasant sensation, it's there to protect you, right? So sometimes when we have those internal movements or judgment or blame, I I will say to myself sometimes to the judging voice, like, you've been around a long time. You know me really well. Thank you for your opinion. (laughs) I don't need to get rid of you right now, but I might be going a different direction with this. You know, like I might not be willing to just keep rolling in the shame of, oh, maybe I said something dumb the last time I spoke to the yogis, or I talked for several minutes too long when I was giving the precepts, and that was awful, and, you know, like, okay, so um, that happened. So we keep recognizing and inclining our 
selves toward the ability to do this, to be present and connected with what's going on and be kinder and more gentle toward ourselves, both when we find it to be easy and when we find difficulty and find our own ways of welcoming what's going on, seeing what it feels like, rather than, as Sharda was saying last night, when we feel separated or isolated or small, maybe that's a time for even more kindness and gentleness and softness. So that's the way that we learn to turn these ideas into actual experiences. So the thoughts about becoming kinder, um, how, what did it mean when love crosses the bridge? That's what we were talking about just now when we found our capacity to be a little bit softer, more gentle toward our thoughts or our body. That's all we're really trying to get across here, but just developing it more and more as we incline and we feel a little response from ourselves to really appreciate that and just to be willing to keep doing that again and again. That's just the way meditation practice always works. So what I'd like to do is to offer a guided meditation about the based on the phrases right now. Um, maybe because the meditation will be about half an hour if someone wants to stand up and straighten your knees and sit down as a preparation to be more comfortable in the loving-kindness practice. 